0: Uh, if you'd missed it, the first one we had, Paul Zanardo, was very much about the Holy Spirit and prophecy, and and then Ian McKellar was very much about the Word. So, as my wife said, half of you loved Paul, and the other half of you loved Ian. <laughs> or some of you loved them both. Yeah, I did. That was delightful. Uh, More about that a little bit later. Matthew chapter 13. Holy Spirit, open up the word to us. Speak to us today, as only you can do. We look to you. Thank you for your presence here. But thank you that you're the one who leads us in truth. Lord, thank you that you're so much greater than my limitations in communication. That you can speak in the spirit and touch us. So we say, have your way, in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 13, verse 44. One little parable. Again, the kingdom of heaven, which is Matthew's euphemism for the kingdom of God. Speaking to Jews, they didn't talk about God directly about his name, so he used the uh, substitute, the kingdom of heaven, meant exactly the same thing. The kingdom of God is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for joy over it he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. You've probably read that a lot of times. But I just want to make one point, and then I'm going to go on something else, and we'll come back. But the field wasn't the value. The treasure is the kingdom. The kingdom made the field valuable. What would life have been like if he bought the field and he got so focused on the field, cultivating the field, planting crops, focused on the field that he missed what made the very field valuable? I have a piece of a puzzle here. You, you can probably see, not even see that, huh? Props! Now you can see it. It's not very big. How many of you would like to try and make a whole puzzle out of that one piece? Be It'd be quicker. One piece puzzle. <laughs> this is, a. as you all know, they, they put a picture on the box that gives us a bit of a reference. And if we constantly refer to the picture, we begin to see, okay, that piece isn't going to go down here where it's pink. It's going to go somewhere else. Now, that's just a prop to give us an idea is that if we don't continually reference the picture, then we don't know where the piece fits. Or... We try and make the peace the whole picture. And we end up with problems. Following the input from the team the last few weeks, I want to actually talk about the big picture of Jesus' vision for his church and his kingdom. Okay, I want to refer to that. We've been doing a series on the fruit of the spirit, which I'm quite excited about I haven't given up on that. We'll get back to that someday, uh, for those of you who like things completed. Oh, you got to complete that series. Uh, but I just want to reference the big picture so we don't lose overall where things fit in, OK? And I want to do that. I want to try and actually do that in picture form. And give you a picture, both from the Old and the New Testament, that, that allows you to see the big picture. And then I want to talk about what that means for us as a local church, and then what that means for us as individuals. All that this morning. I will talk very fast. Uh, I can do it. So, give us the Exodus map, if you would. Lovely, lovely picture. This is... The uh, exodus, the, the Israelites coming out of Egypt, and uh, it's a preface to the gospel. Okay, we're going to change the map in a, in a moment, but uh, you're going to see. But I just want to go through it very quickly. It starts with the promise given to Abraham that Israelites are slaves in Egypt. Then the, the Passover lamb, the coming out of Egypt, because of the blood of the Passover, you know the story. All these by themselves are great stories. They're actually wonderfully amazing, and we could spend all our time on that. But it actually, the stories create the whole story. Let me say this. God, in his infinite wisdom, didn't present the Bible as a textbook. He presented it as a story, made up of a whole lot of other stories. And sometimes we need to see the whole thing. Sometimes we can't just say, oh, well, I'm going to take this one verse. We need to see God's purpose. We need to see the whole, the big picture so we know where every part fits. And so it, it's important that we understand what he's doing. So he's given us this preface. So the Passover lamb, you know the story. They go then and they, they cross over the Red Sea supernaturally. All these are the whole story of them coming out So that they could go in. They go to Sinai. Priesthood is defined. They do some wilderness testing. They cross over the uh, Jordan and enter God's rest. But that wasn't where it stopped. They were establishing something of a city that would release God's purposes from there into the world. His plan was always to save the whole world. I'm flying through this. Let me tell you this. You don't have to write this down. This will be on the website with the, uh, the podcast this week. I'm trying to get you to listen to the podcast again. No, I'm not. It'll just be there. Tim's been able to uh, put this up digitally, so you don't have to try and write this whole thing down. Because uh, I'm going to go through it again, only applying the New Testament to this. So if you give me the other one. So the gospel promise... We go from slaves to sin, being set free by the cross and the blood of Jesus. The Passover was a type of that. Uh, When you see these, there's a whole bunch of scriptures in these. I won't take time to go through every one of them, but you can look them up if you desire. But from there, we go to the the Red Sea, which which is about baptism. Baptism in water, baptism in the Holy Spirit, and baptism into the body of Christ. And so there's all of that. You need to see the whole picture. I'll, I'll tell you why in a second. It goes on to us being a royal, uh, royal priesthood, uh, beginning to, to live in the victory of the cross, the kingdom coming in our life, crossing over into God's rest, but then establishing a base from which the gospel is spread to all nations, You will receive the Holy power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, the base, Judea, and the uttermost parts of the earth. So that's God's plan. But if you don't get the whole picture, if you think it stops at the cross, it's all about my salvation. I get free from sin. I stop there. You don't need baptism. Why do you need the Holy Spirit? If it's only about you getting saved. No, it's about much more. It's about us getting saved, others getting saved, and actually impacting our culture around us. So we need the whole picture. Otherwise, we get focused on one part, and we miss what what God's about, his purpose. What is his purpose for his kingdom and his church? Not what is our purpose, not what we would like it to be, He's the head of the church. So I'm going to say, Lord, what's your purpose? What's your big picture? And then how does what I do fit into that? You still with me? Okay. Then we see that we're baptized. Then we see we're baptized because he wants us to be priests, ministers. Every one of us becomes a minister. You need the empowering of the Holy Spirit to be a minister, If it's only about your salvation and you're never going to be a minister, you don't really need the Holy Spirit. Jesus has done it. But if in his purpose, if we're going to be part of all that he wants, we come to him, we're we're redeemed by the blood, we're baptized in water, which means we die to our own purposes, our own life, and we live for him. He then empowers us by his spirit and connects us with others who have a similar purpose, which is that we become a kingdom of priests. We then allow his kingdom values to impact every aspect of our life. That's called discipleship. It's difficult because the kingdom is quite a bit different than the world. Sorry, I realize when I get excited, my voice raises. And I talk higher for some reason, instead of with a deep voice. And so then we cross over into God's rest. We enter this place of obedience, the rest of obedience. It's not a rest from doing stuff. It's a rest of obedience to his spirit because we're part of what he's doing. If it's only about you, then you say, oh, well, that means I just kind of sit back and soak him in and have fun. No, he's called us for a purpose, a task, which is to establish a base. Sorry, I'm looking at the, uh, the second one and not the first, the first one and not the second one. So he's looking to establish a base from which the gospel can go into all the world. Now I actually think he's looking to establish a lot of bases. Zion is representative of the church. It's not a church. His methodology, as I said a few weeks ago, is multiplication. He's looking to multiply his anointing to all of us, to multiply those bases to every church that will allow him to build his purposes in, to give us a bigger picture, and all those fit together for his purpose and plan. You still with me? Each part is a wonderfully amazing story all on its own. Let me tell you, the whole picture is salvation. Salvation for us, salvation, the gospel to others, and impacting our society. When we reduce salvation to me not going to hell, I miss so much of God's purpose and plan. And then the focus isn't on the king and his kingdom. The focus is on me and what makes me feel good and what ministers to my needs. And pretty soon we start judging whether it was a good worship time by how I felt. It was a good sermon if it made me feel good rather than it equips me for what he's doing. Okay, all that was background. Sorry, that was my introduction. (laughs) This will be on the the, uh, website, uh, where is it with the podcast? Yep, and so you can find that there and then you can look up all the scriptures if you want. But I wanna jump ahead. That's Jesus's big picture vision for his kingdom and his church. What's Jesus' vision for us as a local church? And I want to give, with that background, I want to give you three aspects of that. The first we find in Mark 16, 15. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. His vision for the local church is that we preach the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom the whole picture, that we preach the gospel. Because only the gospel, only coming back into relationship with God through Jesus removes sin and changes hearts. We're going to see why that's important. Because when you get to impacting society, if you haven't changed hearts, you can't change hearts with law. You can't legislate changed hearts. The gospel changes hearts. Kingdom values in us begin to change the very society we live in. But too often we want to jump to the changing society without the gospel and it simply doesn't work. Sorry, I'm getting excited. So Jesus' vision is that we preach the gospel of the kingdom every way possible to everyone possible. That's his vision for the local church. We can't leave it to the evangelists. There's something of his life in all of us that he wants to shine out. We are a light. We're salt. That's every one of us as believers. You still with me? The second... Aspect is the discipling and equipping of believers. Now what that really means is that he wants to help all of us live in, king- in kingdom relationships with the king and with each other. It's allowing this kingdom to permeate our hearts so that it affects our Families. It affects where we live. We become like Jesus. For those of you who are theologians, the gospel deals with justification, discipleship, and the Holy Spirit working in us deals with sanctification, and we're going to get to glorification in a moment, which is not just in heaven someday. But discipling us. 1 Thessalonians seven. he's writing and said, that you became examples to all of Macedonia and Achaia who believe. Part of his plan is that as we live in the kingdom, we become an example together or a model of the kingdom. We live in kingdom values together. We live in kingdom relationships A lot of the Bible is about that. Jesus taught about the kingdom. When he says that we're to love one another, we're to to bear one another's burdens, there's 41 another. He's talking about kingdom values impacting us as a community so that we end up being a model of that to not only the world, but to other churches. A model of what? For us being fully word and fully spirit. We want both. We don't want one or the other. As we've said in the past, which wing is more important on an airplane? If you did away with one, would it still fly? No. God's plan is the Word and the Spirit. But also the focus on the King and His kingdom. Loving one another. All those things are models model of generosity, which as an aside, I want to encourage you and thank you for your generosity toward Ian and Nola last week. I was I actually was just blown away. Uh, we ended up together giving them and investing in the ministry in Asia of about $10,000. Is that, is that awesome or what? They were blown away. I was blown away. I shouldn't be. <laughs> Bec- but there's something of being a model of generosity. We've got nine people who are going up to casino next week to help a church rebuild their facility that was, was inundated with uh, the floods that they had. How long ago was that? About 12 months. almost a year ago or a little over a year ago, the floods, they've, they've got uh, the insurance payout, but there's just no tradies, there's no laborers, and they've been actually just waiting. And so Tim's organized a team, nine of you, that are going. To me, that's just incredible heart of generosity. How can we impact others? But see, that model is not just for us, but it's helping other churches as well which is being apostolic prophetic. It's recognizing that we're part of something bigger, helping other churches in this nation, but also in the nations. I'm going next week to Indonesia to help put together an equip time for pastors there that will take place in July. We as a church are having an impact there as well, and... I've talked to some of you, and open up, we'd love to see a team go and have an impact there. We're doing that. Also, there's a equip at the end of the year that they're trying to put together in Japan. I'm looking back at Ben and Jess and saying I would love, love to see a team go and be part of that. Uh, I heard something this week. And you can correct me, Ben later if I'm wrong. But I heard that .05 percent of Japan are Christian. The population of Japan is about 125 million, and that means about 62 and a thousand Christians in the whole nation. Talk about Jesus' heart. To see the gospel preached to all nations. We want to do whatever we can to, to be a part of what he's doing. But not only helping other churches, but planting new churches. We want to see new churches planted. Now when I say that, let me just qualify it a little bit. We don't want to see Redemption Hills churches planted. We want to see Jesus churches planted. Multiplication is not duplication. It's not, it has to look like this. It has to look like Jesus. Our DNA is Jesus. So if we're gonna plant other churches, they should look like Jesus, not like us. So Jesus' vision for us as a church is first preach the gospel. That's how people are transformed from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. Second, disciple and equip believers. And there's a whole lot of that, and that's where most of the church gets focused. But there's a third part, and that is impact society with the values of the kingdom. Matthew 6.10, Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom Come on earth as it is in heaven. He taught this kingdom because he wanted the kingdom, the rulership of God, the place where he rules, that he then changes hearts and lives and values to impact the very society in which we live. And I have to admit, this is where I have been the most challenged in the last few weeks. And I'm convinced that we don't actually have, I don't, I don't have a big enough picture of what God wants to do. See, the kingdom is so different than the world. Everything about it is different. It's not just the rulership of the king, but it's the rulership of the king that changes our hearts so that we actually live in love rather than selfishness and hate. So we actually have a whole different approach. We've not seen, I don't think yet, what that actually means. Your kingdom come on earth. We've looked back a little bit at culture And how kingdom values have changed, impacted society, but I don't think we've seen yet. When he says, go make disciples of all nations, I read that and my brain says it should say, go make disciples in all nations, but it doesn't. It says, go make disciples of all nations. I think discipling nations is something of this kingdom being established in societies, changing how we see things, changing how we do business. The Bible's very clear. We've talked about it in the past that the spirit of mammon of the world is totally contrary to the kingdom. It's based on greed and selfishness. How do we say I'm part of the kingdom on Sunday and then work, work and live in a world business world that is totally based on greed and selfishness. We need supernatural, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit is what we need. But God's plan is how do we then impact? How do we as business people impact that community? It's happening all over the world. You'll hear more about this later, but the, the kingdom is advancing. There's stuff taking place that is changing How business is done. Changing education. Not just opting out. So that for a period was what we had to do. But how do we actually impact and change? There's something of justice and mercy that we read about in the gospel that's still lacking. So, we can't dress up the spirit of the world and make it look like the kingdom. And too many have tried to do that. We try and make greed less greedy. Uh oh. So, what does this mean for me personally? What does it mean for you? First off, it means that we're here for more than ourselves. We're here for the king and his kingdom. He's redeemed us and saved us and filled us with his spirit and equips and and trains us so that we can have a bigger impact. His kingdom can be established. Oh, by the way, I meant to say something earlier and I didn't. As far as impacting other churches, helping other churches, Paul, Egar, is doing that. He's he's preaching in a lot of different churches around the area, which I think is wonderful. He's just got a heart for some smaller churches. He would love to see some teams go with him. I'd love to see some teams. Uh, I'm not going to coordinate that, He's going to have to, but (laughs) if you're interested in being a part of that, talk to Paul. Uh, There's just something about God's heart that is bigger. It's not just about me. But the second thing is, after we realize that we're here for the king and his kingdom, that I'm part of his plan. If he's added me here, I'm part of his plan. If he's added you here, you're part of his plan. That bigger picture of impacting the gospel, discipleship, changing society, we're all part of his plan. The wonderful thing is that we're not all the same. All the pieces don't look exactly the same. He brings different pieces, different gifts, different personalities. And part of our being the kingdom is that we love one another, even in our differences. That we value one another. We value the gifts that they bring, we value the contribution that they bring in every arena. We need that. While we're different, we all reflect the king's DNA. We're connected to him. Not Redemption Hills Church's DNA. We don't have a DNA. We have his DNA, I hope. I was part of a church once and they were talking about branding and their DNA And I just went, wait, wait, wait. Something just doesn't fit. Jesus birthed the church. And when we talk about cells, whether it's bacteria or human cells, for some reason in biology we use the the term the cells divide, which is a bad term because they don't divide, they multiply. Because each one is a complete cell. When they divide, one of them becomes less than complete. It's missing something, but when they multiply, it's a complete cell. And so his plan is multiplication. We're complete cells, we're, we're part of his DNA. The, the church, that DNA has been multiplying for thousands of years. It didn't start with us. We don't want to hijack it and say, now we're gonna multiply our DNA. I hope you don't do that either. Thirdly, not only that we're here for the King and his kingdom, not only that each one of us is part of the plan, his plan, if he's added us here, but thirdly, it will take all of the resources Jesus adds. It'll take different gifts. Your gift counts. Can you imagine what my, Uh uh-oh, I lost one. Oh, there it is. (laughs) Hang on. I'm going to put this back in here because Mary made it very clear. If I lost one of the pieces of her puzzle, I'd be in trouble. Can you imagine what the picture would look like if one piece were gone? You take the time, there's 500 pieces in this puzzle. You take the time to put 500 pieces in and one's missing the only thing you'd see in looking at that puzzle is the, the gap when you say you don't count you leave a gap that God's picture isn't complete his purpose isn't complete his plan I would have probably organized it differently but he, he's smarter than I am So there's different gifts; they all count. There's different personalities. Think about it for a moment. Are there personalities in here that kind of rub you the wrong way? (laughs) Other than me, of course. (laughs) Yeah. Why? Because Jesus adds different personalities, and we need them all. They're part. They're pieces of the puzzle. So why do we need to flow in love? Because his plan includes different people. He's going to need different gifts, different personalities. He's going to need all the finances he releases. We don't normally talk about finances because we believe that if you have a conviction about God's pattern, tithes and offerings, you, you do that. But don't misunderstand us not talking about finances as thinking that we have a separate source or that finances aren't important. For God's purposes, finance, but he's the source. He'll release. Let me ask you, though, if God led you to establish a business for kingdom purposes, has the business become the focus and you lost the kingdom? Uh oh. N- huh? Yeah, <laughs> now I'm meddling. <laughs> <laughs> Lastly, what does it mean for me personally? Is this: Am I all in for his purposes? Or have I subtly slipped into the lie of the world? that says I'm the sinner and he exists to bless me. There are a lot of promises in the Bible, but the promises in the Bible are given to those who are part of his purpose. Not to those who aren't. The promises are not my means Of just having an abundant life. When He calls us to something, He provides. Where He leads, He gives us uh, the ability, the power of the Spirit. But we can't pick and choose and say, I don't actually want to be part of His purpose, but I want His blessing. am I all in for his purposes? I've been praying about a number of things, about God's plan, about an outpouring of the Spirit, about his purpose for us as a church. And this last week I felt, as I was praying, God said, now's the time, the time is now. And then while we were at this gathering of pastors, one of the guys was prophesying and he turned and looked across the room and said, Russ and Mary over there. I see you with a watch on. And God says, don't take the watch off. But the time is now. And so there's something of, in my heart of saying, hey, God's, we're moving into a new season as a church of seeing some of the things we've been talking about being fulfilled. The time is now. We're going to have communion I'm going to ask the, uh, well, you guys wait, because I'm going to talk for a few minutes more. <laughs> I don't want you to have to stand up. Well, actually, I've been standing up here, so, no. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have communion. Why don't you all stand? Because the way we do it is that there's four, four tables, two in the front and two in the back, and you actually have to go pick it up. Uh, I guess we're past the, the COVID limitations, aren't we? We could actually pass it. We got into this during COVID and we just kind of continued because it's easy. Uh, there's, there's gluten-free both sides in the front, but, but not in the back. So there's gluten-free if you need it in the front. Come and get it. I'm going to ask you just, let's do that right now. Just come and grab it and then take it back and, and or in the back. And then take it back to your seat. Just hang on to it for a moment. And we will get the worship team back up because we're going to finish with a... uh Once you once you get in and get back to your seat, go ahead and be seated. Can you can you listen? Can I talk while you're getting that? Yes. Thank you, (laughs) Lab. Luke twenty-two, verse fourteen. When the hour had come, he sat down. the twelve apostles with him. Interesting that it calls them apostles there instead of disciples. The term apostle means actually one cent. It's a type of this kingdom advancement. He said, with fervent desire, I've desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat it until it, it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. So Jesus was referring to something of the kingdom. And then as we all know, he took the bread and gave thanks and broke it. This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup after supper, saying this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. He fulfilled all the requirements of the old. He removed sin, his blood made away. But then he says, this is the new covenant. New covenant is a covenant of love. New covenant is where he no longer calls us servants, but friends. New covenant is where we get to partner with him. We come into that intimate relationship. We partner with him, with his spirit, for his purposes. He gives not only salvation as far as I don't have to go to hell, but purpose in life for his purposes for his ways we've talked about that in the past that this was actually very similar to a marriage proposal he took the cup after supper and by taking it the bride would enter into covenant in our culture we make the wedding where covenant starts in this culture, it was the engagement. And so when they took it, they were engaged. And then Jesus says, as often as you do this, do it in remembrance of me. We've entered into a relationship where we lay aside our purposes and we live for his. The good part is that covenant means everything he has becomes ours. But everything we have becomes His. We no longer live for ourselves; We live for Him. I've been crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. So there's something about that. And when He says, do this in remembrance of me, it's remembering that whole thing. I'm in covenant with the king. Yes, I receive benefits. I receive salvation and I come into relationship, but I receive responsibilities to be part of what he's about, his purposes as well. Most of us don't need the reminder of the benefits, but sometimes we need the reminder of the partnership. That's what the big picture is about to see that we're about something beyond ourselves we as individuals and we as a church exist not just for us but for him and for his purposes and so we're going to uh take that and then we're going to sing a song that the, they intended in the worship and i think they saved it till here which is the i surrender all and it's just a Thank you, Rose. I was going to run over there and grab something. I just need part of that. Lord, your body was broken for us. You took sin upon yourself that we could come into relation. We're so incredibly grateful and forever grateful that we've been redeemed. And then you offered your blood as the establishment of a new covenant of love, of partnership. And as we take this, we're mindful of that. And we receive it and then we just declare again, we're in covenant with you. Let me say, if you've never actually entered into covenant with God, you can do that today. As you take this, just surrender your heart say, Lord, I receive what you've done. And I want to enter into that covenant. I turn from serving myself to loving you. And being part of what you're you're about. Lord, thank you for this. We receive it with gratitude. In Jesus' name.